five, four, three, two, one. Lift off of the Falcon 9. Hi, I'm Mark Boucher, and this is a special edition of the Space Q Podcast. The Lunar Gateway will be one of the most ambitious projects ever undertaken by human beings to date. Not only will this moon outpost allow for a long-term lunar presence, but it will also serve as a launch pad to Mars and beyond. Our allies have asked us to join them in reaching this new frontier. They want our help to take on the challenges of deep space exploration. They want us to be their partner on this lunar mission. And so today, we are stepping up. Le Canada met le cap sur la Lune. Canada is going to the moon. And with those words, during a press conference on February 28th at the Canadian Space Agency headquarters, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau launched Canada on a course that will see us once again working with the United States and other spacefaring nations towards an ambitious space exploration goal. That goal comes with a price tag, $2.05 billion over 24 years, of which $150 million is already committed over the next five years to a new related program called the Lunar Exploration Accelerator Program. There's one catch. Fast forward seven months from the Prime Minister's speech, and Canada is now in the midst of an election campaign. The $1.9 billion committed to Canada's participation in the Lunar Gateway program still has to be allocated starting with the next budget. However, the Liberal government might not be in power. Will another government continue with that commitment? That's one of the questions we hope to get answered during our election coverage. The coverage starts today, though, with another important topic, Canadian space regulations and law. My guest today is Aram Daniel Kirkonian, a lawyer with Artiker Space Consultants and the co-author of the government-mandated 2017 Independent Review of the Remote Sensing Space Systems Act. Today, we're going to be talking about the opportunity a federal election presents for the space community in seeking changes to existing regulations and what new regulations, possibly even new legislation, could come from the next government. You might think this is dry stuff. On the contrary, for anyone working in the business of space or new companies to the space sector, this is an important topic and time. Why? Because the space sector is rapidly evolving and the government needs to adapt to these changes so that Canadian businesses can remain competitive on a global scale. It also has a direct impact on whether foreign investors see Canada as a place to do business. Recently, SpaceQ Intel, a new division within SpaceQ, hosted a one-day roundtable that brought together government and industry. For the most part, government was in listen mode due to the elections being called. It was an opportunity for industry to express their thoughts on current regulations and any changes that might be needed along with any new potential legislation that should be contemplated. For government, it was an opportunity to see what, if any consensus, would come from industry. 
This in turn will help the civil service in advising a new government and those incoming ministers of departments with the space mandate. Today, Aram and I will discuss election 2019 and the opportunities it presents for regulatory reform. Listen in. Welcome, Aram, to the Space Q podcast. Thanks, Mark. Glad to be here and chat with you. All right. So, um, uh, a little while ago, I think it's like a little over a week ago now, um, mm-hmm. Space Q, with its new division, Space Q Intel, hosted uh, its first event, and that event was the uh, Space Regulatory Roundtable, uh, specific to Canada. We got about 60 people there. Uh, I'd say it was about 20 people that were from government and about 40 people from industry mostly and a few academia. Mm-hmm. Um So there was a lot of interesting things that were discussed. And of course, this is all in the context of Canada needs to make changes to its regulatory environment to to keep up with the times. Uh, And of course, we have an election upcoming, and this is the perfect time uh, to get industry to talk to government and say, hey, this is, you know, what we should consider going forward. So absolutely. So let's talk about, uh, as an introduction to our listeners, and we're going to keep it short, so, you know, they don't get, uh, well, I don't know, I don't want them to fall asleep, because space law can be... Boring. You know, you can say it. That's okay. Okay. I I, I usually start my presentations with that disclaimer, that space law can indeed be boring. Okay. So, let's start with this. Who are the regulators in Canada? So really, it comes down to, I would say, about uh, three or four players. Now, the two main ones are Innovation Science and Economic Development, and the other one is Global Affairs Canada. So really, they kind of look at really specific, they have specific mandates when it comes to space. Uh, The other one, I would say, is the Department of National Defense, because anytime there's something national security related, um, they, you know, have a role to play. Uh, And then the the fourth one, which I usually didn't include, but now when I talk about these topics, I do, uh, is Transport Canada. And... uh, they really have a role to play when it comes to launch. So, um, you know, it's a it's a grow, potentially growing field and they'll have a role to play. All right. So those are the regulators. Now, because I, I'm sure a lot of people don't know this, but what are the space laws that we have in Canada? Yeah, so in Canada, it's really there's a there's a unique way of regulating space, and that's activity specific. So uh, we've got the Radio Communications Act, the Broadcasting Act, the Telecommunications Act, Uh, the Remote Sensing Space Systems Act, and the Aeronautics Act. So those each cover a specific kind of space activity. um, And depending on what it is that you want to do, if it falls into one of those categories, those are the laws, uh, you know, the the explicit laws that exist uh, to regulate uh, space activities in Canada. And are there any other laws that uh, have some uh, space activity included? So uh, the reason I, you know, I should qualify. The reason I kind of said it was that, that the way I did was because when we're looking at a specific activity, uh, a clear space activity, that's one. But you also have things like the uh, like the Canadian Space Agency, which is created by an act, which is created by a law. I would argue that's you know somewhat law related. Um, you've got the uh, implementation agreement for the International Space Station. Uh, that as well is is technically legislation, um, but does it really regulate an activity? I mean, kind of. Um, and then you also have things like export and control laws. Um, uh, transportation of hazardous goods, those kinds of things that are kind of tangential to uh, space activity. Um, I'd argue that there are specific laws that cover those kinds of things, but they're not necessarily created explicitly for space activity um, as radio communication, broadcasting, telecommunication, like those things are. All right. So at the moment, um, 
I think it's safe to say that when it comes to uh, space law in Canada, uh, the laws that we have, um, they do work, but they're outdated in some respects. And there are things that are happening that we never considered before and which are yes. difficult to, to regulate because, well, there are no regulations really uh, that deal with, with some of these things. So it, it, in that respect, if we are going to uh, change some of these space laws, mm-hmm. what, what are the options for changing or creating uh, new law? Yeah. So in Canada, um, so other jurisdictions have different ways of doing things. But in Canada, um, when you want to create a law, you need to bring a bill to Parliament and it needs to to pass. And and essentially it will come into law that way. Now, uh, that's one option. Right. But really, when we're looking at the kind of the, the, the function of lawmaking within Canada, we have a few options. I mean, one is we don't do anything. Right. Um, I happen to be an individual who thinks that, you know, the Canadian regulatory system is uh, a little bit outdated. There's room for improvement. I think we should do things, but it's, you know, a perfectly, uh, I would say, reasonable, reasonable legal perspective that we don't have to do anything. We just leave things the way they are. Um, Another way of doing things is, is amending the existing laws. So you have a specific law, say the, rate, the Remote Sensing Act, um, and it's doing things relatively well, but there's a few tweaks that we need to make. Um, the government can bring in a bill that tweaks those certain perspectives of the remote sensing law, and that would be a, an amendment to existing legislation. And if that passes, uh, then the new remote sensing law will incorporate the pieces that were changed. Um, or what we can do is a, another third option would be to create a new law. So, um, you know, let's say, for example, uh, there's an activity that nobody had really thought about, you know, in the past, um, but it's becoming a reality. We can say space mining, for example. Um, the government can pass a law that's specific to space mining and they can create it. So they can go through, you know, the very beginning of, of drafting the law um, all the way into passing it into, you know, a, a piece of legislation and it passes through parliament. And then you have a new law that would govern uh, the activity of space mining. And then the other way of doing uh Uh, I guess what I'm going to call kind of the regulation of space activities is to create a single law that deals with all sorts of space activity. So it would be very general. It would be pretty um, broad. And it would essentially say that anytime somebody wants to do something in space, they need permission from the government. And then what those specific things are don't necessarily need to be um, uh, stated precisely in the law, um, in, the, in the act itself. That can come later through regulation. Um, so, but what I'm trying to say is the fourth option would be that we can create a new law that would govern any future space activities or even existing space activities. Now, with respect to going about adding a new regulation or adding an amendment to an existing law or creating this, let's say, a new Outer Space Act for Canada. Um, For all those three things that I just mentioned, so that the audience has a true understanding of what that, you know, what it takes to do that. Yes. Let's just talk briefly or mention briefly what the process is in terms of how long will it take to actually do those types of things? Because for, for, you know, I know for a fact that on, based on our discussions and other th- events yeah. that I've been to, if we wanted to create a new outer space law, let's say a comprehensive law, yeah, we're, we're talking like years to get that done. So if you could talk about, yeah, so so talk about the uh, you know if we just want to add a regulation, modify a regulation, yeah. or make an amendment to a law, talk about those options for sure. So I think you know the, the way you just set it out is really kind of uh, in terms of a. a, a 
how long it takes. I think the easiest one or the quickest one would be a regulation. So a regulation is a subordinate law, which means that it's essentially the specific rules that the minister, whoever whoever the minister is that's designated to be the minister within the law, um, they have the right to create certain regulations. And so really it's it's aside from the getting the minister's signature on something, it's not that time consuming. It's not that difficult. Um, so I'd say that was kind of probably the easiest or the, the quickest way of changing, uh, you know, of changing, reg- of having regulatory reform. And of course, um, yes, that regulation change would be under an existing law, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. So you need an existing law uh, that says, which almost all laws do, that regulations can be made by X minister. And then when the law comes into into effect, in, in reality, it already has a whole bunch of regulations that come with it. But those regulations can be changed a lot more easily without having to go back through parliament. Uh, by just having the minister make those changes. So, so that's one way of doing it. The second way of amending existing legislation. So this process, what you're essentially doing by amending legislation is you're changing an existing law, right? And so for law to come into existence in the first place, it needs to pass through parliament, uh, through both houses, it needs to get signed off and, and it becomes the law. Now, to change the law, you essentially have to do the same thing by introducing a bill which would amend a certain section of the law. So Let's say, uh, you know, section four, whatever it says, you want to change the wording so that it used to say you have to do X and Y, and now you want to change it to say X or Y. To make that linguistic change from and to or, you have to introduce a bill. It has to pass through parliament, going through both houses again, um, and then change just that, that wording. And so when it passes, you essentially have a new law, although it's just kind of a, a reformation of an existing one. And then when it comes to creating a new law, whether it's, you know, activity specific or very comprehensive, very narrow, um, it's the same process as amending the law, except that you're starting from scratch. Um, And usually this process takes longer because the, the stages to get there, which means that, you know, when you start with the government's intention to do something and then the internal discussions, and the interdepartmental discussions, and then finally getting it to, uh, to parliament, those take a lot longer uh, when you're creating an ex- a brand new law than they do when, you ha- when you're starting with, with, with something. It's essentially, you know, uh, painting something from scratch versus making a few touch-ups. All right. So we're going to discuss that a little bit more. But uh, when we talk about that one option there, the amendment, right, where you're just saying, mm-hmm. let's say you're changing it from, you know, and to or, right? Yes. I mean, yes, you have to introduce a bill. It has to pass through. But because it's just such a small change, does something like that... It, can it be, I don't want to use the word fast-tracked, but mm-hmm. can it move quicker through Parliament? So, I mean, anytime a bill is brought through, uh, you know, through government, really, or, or, or through Parliament, I mean, it's the government that chooses to do that. And so if it's something small, like an and or an or that doesn't have serious implications or consequences, and, you know, there's there's broad consensus, there's no real issues as to why it might, you know, uh, what... Nobody's really concerned with what the the fallout might be of that. There's no reason why it can't happen more quickly, right? I mean, it, the there's still it's still going to have to go through that stage of you know going through both houses and having a different readings and all that kind of stuff, which takes time. Um, but in terms of getting it on the agenda and then kind of pushing it through without having too much discussion or debate on it, um, that could happen a lot, you know, a lot quicker, I would imagine. And let's not forget, it has to go through the Senate as well. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. For that very important review. Unfortunately, this is not a topic on the Senate, but if it was, no, no, I'm not going to get into that. (laughs) No comment. No comment here either. Um, Okay. So I want to bring up one interesting example because I think, I don't know if it was at this meeting that we were at a a week and a half ago, or maybe it was before you had mentioned this, but actually I think it was at this meeting. It was a fascinating thing. So uh, I suppose I'm saying that Aram said this, 
Um, at least maybe it was you. It may not have. It may not have been you. But anyway, I will neither confirm nor deny. Go ahead. Okay. So space mining, right? Yes. So uh, we know, for instance, that uh, Natural Resources Canada, okay, uh, Mm -hmm. and Arcan has been supportive of uh, space mining. They've made no secret of that. They came out with the report a few months ago about the future of mining in Canada, and it included a little bit of language that says, we're looking at space mining for the future, right? For sure. So what I found interesting is, because when they're talking about the space mining, they're talking about an asteroid, they're talking about um, uh, resources on the moon, <laughs> and I think you made the point that it falls under the RSSSA, which is the Remote Sensing Space Systems Act, right? Because it, let's say it has a camera on it, on, mm. on, on the actual uh, spacecraft or whatever, it can yeah. look back to Earth, right? Yes. And so because so, it has that, all of a sudden, boom, it's, it, it's under that law. So uh, I guess there's, 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 I guess, two ways of looking at that. So um, you're right. So the definition of remote sensing in the Remote Sensing Space Systems Act, it says any satellite that is, has the capability to sense Earth, right? And so you're right. If, it, if you have a satellite that's really just meant, like the Hubble telescope, for example, right? It's meant to look out into the distance. Let's say that was a Canadian satellite. It has the capability to turn around and look at Earth. Now, whether you would see anything or not is irrelevant because it fits within the definition of the Remote Sensing Act. So when it comes to getting a license for your activity, you would need a license from, uh, from GAC, from Global Affairs Canada, for that activity of remote sensing, even though you have no intention of using it. Now, if your real intention is uh, is to do space mining and you need the cameras, you know, for optical or for being able to see what you're doing in space, you would probably need another less license, right? Because you're, you you can be governed under or you can be le- uh, licensed under the Remote Sensing Act. You would also probably need a license under the Radio Communications Act because you want to speak to your satellite. Um, but it is not to say that because you have those licenses, you can then go and, uh, you know, conduct space mining activities. In Canada, there's nothing that prevents you from doing so, but the Canadian government is probably going to want to put in place a, a form of legislation that would license this specific act of of, of space mining. Now it doesn't exist right now. So technically, um, you know, if if uh, if GAC and and I said give you licenses for remote sensing and for um, and for radio communications, and you say you're going to do space mining, and they don't say anything, uh, like the rest of the government doesn't kind of you know uh, uh, hold you back, then l- legally you wouldn't be violating any existing laws because there are no laws on space mining. All right. So I just brought that up because it's an interesting example because it's not something that's happening today. It's something that's going to happen, we hope, in the future. Um, And NRCAN, Natural Resources Canada, is already thinking about, okay, we're trying to get ahead of the curve. Where are we going to be at in 10 years? So they're looking at it from the perspective of, okay, what do we have to do between now and then in terms of a legislative agenda to get something that will be on the books at some point so that what the existing regulations that we have now, okay, we could use those, but we're going to have something maybe more specific to space mining, potentially. Yeah. Um, and this all fits in with sort of my next point, which is when we were talking about these space laws, there's always an international context to take into account, especially something like For space sure. mining. When you're talking yeah. about, let's say, we want to mine, uh, you know, we want to mine resources on the moon. So, talk a little about about how the Canadian laws pertain to the international context. Right. I, I'll do that. In one, I just want to go back to one thing that you said. So, your example, I mean, that we just went through about space mining and the Remote Sensing Act, that really 
I think that goes to highlight the unintended consequences that may develop over time with an existing framework, right? Because nobody intended when they created the RSSA that it would govern space mining or some aspect of space mining. But the way it's drafted, that would be one of the consequences. Now, that just goes to show that over time, it's completely natural and normal that regulations and laws change and they develop and they grow, right? Um, so that's just something I wanted to highlight because your example uh, was great in that respect. Now, when we're talking about international law, um, the reality is that there's a there's a connection between international space law and domestic space law. And that connection is that Canada, as a member of all sorts of treaties related to space, has an obligation to authorize and supervise space activities. Now, it doesn't matter whether those space activities are done by a public entity, which is, say, the Canadian Space Agency, or a private entity. And that's unique to space law. So the interplay really comes out where Canadian law needs to be in place to license a space activity so that Canada itself is not violating international law. Now, there are... Uh, I should say, so when it comes to specific space activities, international law doesn't really exist on those topics. So something like, for example, um, uh, remote sensing. There's no international law on remote sensing that Canada then copies and implements within Canada. There are certain principles that apply, uh, general you know, notions of you should make sure that when you're using space, uh, you know, you're doing so uh, in a manner that can be uh, beneficial to everybody and that doesn't cause unnecessary harm. And so broad principles like that exist in international law, but you don't have a specific uh, international law on space mining or earth observation or uh, telecommunications or broadcasting. You can have certain, you know, agreements in principle about those topics. Um, but that's not to say that the domestic law that exists flows from an existing international law. So when we say that Canada has to abide by international space law, it means that these general ideas regarding space that the international community has agreed to, Canada can't go and legislate domestically uh, in a way that kind of circumvents or violates those existing principles that it agreed to. All right. All right. So let's get back to the election and the opportunity, mm -hmm. right? So the opportunity here is that every four years or four or five years, um, we have an election. And preceding that election, right, um, yes. the civil service will put together what's called minister briefing books, mm -hmm. right? And basically what this is, when a new government comes in, a new minister is... Uh, selected by the incoming government, the civil servants will then provide them with a briefing book on that particular area. And let's just say it's uh, Global Affairs Canada, right? Yep. And the new Minister for Global Affairs Canada will get a briefing book. And in that briefing book, it will outline, you know, what we've been doing. Um, and it will also outline, here's your critical list of things that need to, that you need to consider and some yep. other things that you should, you you should uh, look at as well. So this is where the opportunity comes in because now, obviously, um, and this doesn't pertain just to space, but any agriculture, whatever section or sector you're in, mm -hmm. you if you have a, a, something that you know, you're looking at from, I need the government to help me in this area or the government needs to work in this area because there's an opportunity for Canada or whatnot or, or there's a, you know, a national uh, need for this, yes. you want that information to be in this briefing book, right? So... Um, in this particular case, we're talking about space, and you are the co-author of the um, uh, 
uh, of the Remote uh, Space uh, System Sensing Act review, the yeah. last one, and you came up with a bunch of recommendations. And, uh, and one of those recommendations was, you know, to consider maybe Canada needs a new law, a new mm-hmm. law to, to deal with everything that's going on and to be more broader than what we have now. In, in essence, t- to take away from, as you, I think you put it, um, using that the existing RSSSA law as the, our major law, as the you know general law. So, for, but, yeah, for, so for new activities, yeah. So for that to happen, though, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a long time, as we discussed, to create a new law. So, yeah. so if that's something that industry wants, right, they got to make sure that that's a, in this in the briefing book and that it's an important item uh, in the briefing book. Um, now, I think uh, from what I heard at the uh, at this meeting, we're not necessarily. It'd be nice to have a new law like that. Yeah. But I think the consensus was that maybe it might be a little bit easier to get regulations changed right Mm -hmm. so uh so this is another way where you know the industry could say well we sat down we talked about this government was listening because of the election they weren't able to really participate and say this is what we think you should do or what we were what we think should be planning on doing yeah Yeah, planning on doing and the rest of it they couldn't talk to that but they could certainly listen and see what if what kind of consensus that came out of these talks from industry so and it sounded like you know there was a lot of uh interest in making some small regulatory changes to 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 move things along so in terms of the uh election um do you think that what happened at this meeting you know may be useful and uh you know could be translated into a new minister getting a briefing book that says hey this is what industry thinks well, I mean, I hope so. I'm hopeful, right? And I, I think the reason I say that is because there aren't too many opportunities that I'm aware of for industry um, and government to sit down at the same t- table and, and be really frank about, you know, the discussions that they're, or be frank in the discussions that they're having. So I think this was an opportunity for industry to, um, you know, to, to, to voice its opinion on uh, things that are going well and areas where they can be improved. And it was an opportunity for government to hear that and to listen and to take it into consideration when they're drafting these briefing books you're talking about. So um, in terms of, you know, is this an opportunity or is this the right timing? Um, I think very much so. Um, you know, this, this is a perfect opportunity for, for government to, uh, to think about the regulation of space and to think about how the regulations have an effect on private space actors, so, you know, companies that are trying to do things in space and how they can create the right sort of environment, a regulatory environment to allow them to thrive. And really at this point, I mean, industry was pretty uh, frank in certain kinds of things in which they're, you know, uh, uh, having difficulty with or seeing, you know, issues uh, issues with. And I think it's great for the government at this point to, to really take those into consideration and to make them known to whoever the next ministers are. So we talked about um, you know, um, what the regulations are in Canada, how we can amend them, uh, what the opportunity is. The one thing that we haven't discussed is how hard is it to get a minister or easy, although I'm thinking it's a lot more on the hard side, Mm -hmm. to actually get regulation changed, right? Okay. So here we are. You you mean from a practical sense? 
from a practical sense. So here we are. Uh, well, no, not from a practical sense, but from a uh, buy-in sense. Will, okay. will, will okay. the minister actually, yeah. you know, uh, say, okay, uh, this need regulation? Because when they do that, right, um, yeah. you know, it, 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 like we discussed, it's it, it it's a process that takes time. And if you're going to change a regulation, then um, people are going to have to uh, be working on this, right? Yeah. So, um I suppose what I'm trying to get at here is uh, with this opportunity that we have uh, with a new election and then either, let's say, the, even if the liberals were to come back into power, uh, who knows, yeah. there could be a change in the minister, right, for yeah. the various yeah. departments, right? So I think what, I, what I'm trying to get at is you need a champion. You okay. need somebody from the government side who's going to say, we recognize the fact that uh, there needs to be a regulation change or that we need to create a new law. So the question then becomes, how do you then convince the government to actually, or that minister, to actually take on that challenge? And I think a mm-hmm. couple of things that came up at the meeting were, you know, uh, what's important is to have the Privy Council on your side. Yeah. Um, maybe, uh, maybe we need a... Um, uh, a space cabinet mm-hmm. uh, that, uh, you know, cabinet ministers from the existing cabinet, that there's a, a sub cabinet, if you will, of space ministers or a space cabinet uh, that deals with space. Or maybe, and this is me talking, um, uh, you know, because I've heard this suggestion elsewhere of actually happening a minister of space. Yeah, so maybe you can address of, some yeah, of those. Yeah. Maybe you can address some of those. So really, I, I think the question, um, it's, it's really a question of, of buy-in, right? And at any, at any time, at any part, you know, any point of the day on any topic, the government is dealing with a hundred different things. So how do we put space and space-related issues um, at the top of that list or near the top of that list? And I think really it's going to come down to, um, A, a realization on the importance of space. And that's not to say that other areas or other issues aren't important. It's just to simply recognize that space indeed is important, um, especially given uh, the fact that it, in every aspect of our lives, uh, space plays a role. And, and oftentimes, and I think this is part of the problem, is that oftentimes it's doing so in the background, right? You don't really think, when you, when you have your phone in your hand and you're using all sorts of the different you know, apps and, and, and tools that come with that, you're not really thinking about, you're not thinking further than, wow, my phone is doing this, rather than my phone is doing this because it's hooked up to this immense uh, you know, uh, infrastructure that exists in space and on the ground. So I think recognizing that is important. Um, and then being able to, to, to have that uh, uh, that recognition uh, permeated different levels of government all the way up to the prime minister's office or the privy council for that matter. Um, and it, when you have the recognition at that point, I think it's possible um, to, to leverage uh, the, the importance of this topic at the same time, leverage it with the, you know, the credibility of the people that are putting it forward. So having somebody in there that recognizes this importance and really wants to push for it. Um, and when you have that come about, then I think you really have an opportunity to make some sort of a change. Because once it's on people's radar and once everybody recognizes its importance, then there's a question of, well, how can we, how can we make it even better? 
right? How can we rely on it even more? How can we create the structure that exists uh, so that it benefits us in, in new and, and, and better ways? Um, and I think, you know, uh, the issue now is, is and, and oddly enough, this was something I was writing about yesterday. So, you know, I look at these kinds of issues in my, in, my, in my doctoral research. And one of the things I was looking at was right after the end of the U.S. Apollo program. So in the beginning of the 70s, there was an opportunity in, in the U.S. for Canada to join it with the new programs and which would eventually become the shuttle program. Um, and industry at that point was really interested and they were pushing for it. Um, and they were trying to lobby government. And at that point, there was an interdepartmental committee on space. And the problem was that nobody in government was really, uh, you know, taking hold of the issue. Um, and so you had industry going through all the, the, the hurdles and, and, you know, and the hoops and the obstacles of trying to put forward uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, projects that could uh, that they could very well handle and and deliver to the U.S., but they felt like they needed government support, which is very much the situation I think we're in now. Um, and the problem at that time, which is the same as what we're do what we're facing today, is that there's no individual department that's really taking the mantle of space. Um, in a lot of ways, the Canadian Space Agency falls in their eyesight, so you would expect them to do it. But it's a lot more than just uh, you know. Uh, is more it's more than just i said so one thing that you know i've discussed in passing and it's not really the focus of what i do but uh the creation uh, the idea of creating a department of space or a minister of space it really brings about this notion that you would have a singular champion in the cabinet that would either be able to spearhead discussions with other ministers or really to carry the the the, the topic themselves and really push for you know in that sense so here's an interesting thing and I think this maybe this is the way that we need to go about it. Okay, so mm-hmm. um, innovation, science, and economic development Canada. Okay, uh, that's Canada's industry uh, department. Within yeah. that, there are actually four ministers. Right. Okay. You have uh, Minister Baines, who is actually the head of ISET, but yes. you also have uh, Christy Duncan who's Minister of Science and Sport. Then -hmm. you have Mélanie Jolie, Minister of Tourism, Official Languages, and La Francophonie. Mm -hmm. Then you also have uh, Mary Ng, who is Minister of Small Business and Export Promotion. So you have three sub-ministers, if you will. I mean, they're all ministers, but they're they're within the the ICED portfolio. Wouldn't it make sense, or, or do you think it makes sense to either go to, let's say, somebody like Minister, although I don't, <laughs> I mean, Christy Duncan is the Minister of Science and Sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't see it being the Minister yeah. of Science, Space and Sport. But so should we have a Minister of, of Space within ICED maybe? Well, I think that's an entirely, you know, it's a possibility. And I mean, when we're talking about, you know, I guess the question is, you know, what would be the point of that? Right. And I think the point there is that you have somebody with a clear mandate to move forward the space portfolio. And I think what's lacking now is that, yes, space generally in certain ways falls within ICED and sometimes GAC, but there's no real, uh, you know, uh, there's no real individual who has made it, you know, their mission to push forward this space portfolio or the space, you know, uh, the, the space industry or bring the space industry along with them. And I think maybe having a minister of space or a sub-minister, however you want to uh, categorize it, I think that would give uh, a recognition to a certain individual and then they would have a little bit of a more of a of a mantle or a pedestal upon which to make known that you know space is important and that we do need certain uh, changes regulatorily or otherwise um so i think the idea is you know it's i mean it's, it's a good idea on that note thank you aram 
for being on the Space Q podcast again. Uh, I'm sure we'll get you back in, uh, you know, in on the podcast in the future when there's some more interesting space law related topics to discuss. Perfect. I'm glad to, you know, glad to be here and glad to come back in the future. Well, that's a wrap on this podcast. Next week, I give way for the first episode of our new podcast, Terranauts. If you have comments on this episode, you can email me at podcast at spaceq.ca. I read and answer all your comments in a timely fashion. You can also find SpaceQ on Twitter at Canada in Space, and we post all of our articles and podcasts to Facebook. If you like what we do, please support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash spaceq. Thank you. <laughs>